The United States is hacked by everybody. That includes Russia and China and everybody. We're seeing it manifest itself in ways that we never envisioned. That guy has some good hair. Hello and welcome to Snow Crash Radio for the week of January 15th. I'm Jonah Meadows. And on this edition of Snow Crash Radio, we'll hear about another truly weird week, a week of hackers hacking hackers, fake news, breaking news, and a series of hearings where the people who will soon be in charge of the most powerful executive institutions in the world said things like... I'm commit, pretty committed to the Constitution. Um, I was not aware of the Lord surprises me. Right. So later in the show, we'll hear about the so-called cybersecurity dilemma with somebody who's been thinking about how cyber warfare fits into existing theories of international relations and ideas about deterrence in traditional warfare. Snail war, if you will. Uh, but first, President-elect Trump's cabinet nominees began to have their hearings. There were a lot of questions about Russia uh, including this one, which was asked and answered by the first of several protesters who interrupted the hearing of former Exxon CEO and Secretary of State nominee Rex Tillerson. Why is Tillerson stranded? Because they both want to drill and burn the Arctic. That will ruin the climate and destroy the future for our children and grandchildren. Please don't put Exxon in charge of the State Department. And Tuesday night, President Obama gave a final major address in Chicago, and he mostly aimed for an inspiring tone. For all our outward differences, we in fact all share the same proud type. The most important office in a democracy. Citizen. Citizen. But also Tuesday night, the world of political journalism thrown into a titter by a CNN story referencing documents about Trump's relationship with Russia, which the Wall Street Journal later reported was compiled by a, uh, a, a former British spy named Christopher Steele. What a name. Since being outed, he's gone into hiding, but uh, he's part of the world of private ex-spies working for private contractors and his gig was to dig up dirt for Democrats and Republicans. They outsourced their oppo to opposition research firms. And then they outsourced that to guys like Steele, Christopher Steele. Here's Carl Bernstein, to me, is a credible source on CNN explaining the whole thing. And he then worked on this for months. And over the course of the months, he became so concerned by what he found about Donald Trump. Again, we don't know the accuracy of the allegations that were given to him by Russians. Yeah. He then took the information to the FBI. But Steele, Christopher Steele, he became concerned the FBI was not pursuing these leads that he gave him uh, in favor of focusing on Hillary Clinton's email and foundation related matters for her. And so the documents started getting spread around Washington. Uh, and then right after CNN's report, this is also on Tuesday night, the source documents get posted by BuzzFeed. And this is the night before Trump's first real press conference 
after being elected president. And that's something that Nazi Germany would have done and did do. I think it's a disgrace. So quite apart from the deep state, this story has also sort of divided the media world with hundreds, really, of think pieces about why or why not BuzzFeed should have published it. It's inflaming the divide between between opponents of detente, supporters of detente with Russia, and set off a debate among and about whether internet trolls have successfully tricked the intelligence community of the United States into spreading a story about Donald Trump in a hotel room in Russia engaged in some kind of... It's disgusting. I don't want to talk about it. Okay, okay. No, it's too disgusting. Don't say it. It's disgusting. Let's not do it. We want to be very, very straight up, okay? Okay, okay. Well, you'll be president next week, so I guess we won't. Wasn't that a weird deal? Moving on. A couple quick notes on hackers hacking non-hackers. Monday, the pharmaceutical giant corporation, Abbott Labs, might have heard of them, they began sending out patches to their software that controls their medical devices like pacemakers. In your heart, uh, and the corporation told Reuters, the patches will fix the extremely low, quote, extremely low chance of the implants suffering, uh, you know, potentially life-threatening hack. Incidentally, last summer, security researchers said they had found some vulnerabilities in the St. Jude's pacemakers, but because the sponsors of that study were short sellers who had a financial interest in bringing down St. Jude's stock, uh, and there, you know, some holes were poked in their study. It wasn't taken especially seriously, even though the stock did go down. But this week, for the first time, the Food and Drug Administration and the Department of Homeland Security, they also confirmed the devices were vulnerable uh, and maybe still have vulnerabilities, but they wouldn't say what those were. Also, late in the week, The Guardian published this piece about uh, an encryption vulnerability in the pretty popular Facebook-owned messaging program WhatsApp. And that was discovered by a security and cryptographic researcher from Cal Berkeley. And he said he'd already told WhatsApp about the bug, which The Guardian described somewhat provocatively as a backdoor. And he said he told them last April and they did nothing. And the bug has to do with the way new keys, encryption keys, are set up for offline users. And you can actually avoid it by turning on all your security notifications if you use WhatsApp. Um, so you'll know when a new key has been created. But, but uh, anyway, the researcher, basically what he told The Guardian was, quote, if WhatsApp is asked by a government agency to disclose its messaging records, it can effectively grant access, right? Because of that, it was called a backdoor in the headline and it got a lot of attention uh, and WhatsApp issued a statement to news organizations claiming it doesn't give governments a backdoor. Quote, the design decision referenced in The Guardian story prevents millions of messages from being lost. Still, another reason to use Signal, which is available on iOS and Android and very easy to use and not a sponsor of this program. Moving on to hackers hacking hackers. Celebrate. An Israeli mobile forensics company and uh, really one of the world's leading providers of the, the highest end of uh, commercially available tools to hack into cell phones. It was hacked this week and the intruders 
made off with at least 900 gigabytes of data, uh, according to a report from Joseph Cox of Motherboard. Celebrite, uh, you might remember them. They're, they're most famous from when they offered to unlock the iPhone of one of the perpetrators of the attacks in San Bernardino. The FBI denies that the company helped, but sources told Bloomberg it was indeed Celebrite who cracked the iPhone after Apple refused to do it. And the data from the hack when Celebrite itself was hacked, it's not been fully dumped online at the time of recording, but uh, Joseph Cox reports the hacker told him uh, access to the data has been shared to to a select few in, in chat rooms. But still, it's reminiscent of last year's very dramatic hack of the hacking team. And they are an Italian company that sells spyware and hacking tools to governments and agencies around the world, including ones who've reportedly used them to aid in committing human rights abuses. And the hacking team had its own source code and full internal files dumped out on the internet by a hacker calling himself Phineas Fisher. His name being a takeoff on Finn Fisher, which is the name of a company which also sells spyware to repressive regimes around the world. And now more news from the world of silly names. This week saw the return of two intriguing online personas. Uh, both have been linked to Russian intelligence. Information operations has long been a hallmark of Russian intelligence activity going back to the days of East Germany, the Soviet Union. They've now added cyber as a wrinkle in this longstanding doctrine. Ben Buchanan is the author of the new book, The Cybersecurity Dilemma, and he's a fellow at the Cybersecurity Project at Harvard's Belfer Center. And it appears two of the ways in which they've done this are these two accounts, one, Guccifer 2.0, and one, the Shadow Brokers, which have attempted to um, gain prominence in the media by dumping secrets. Secrets probably taken through a cyber operation by some form of Russian intelligence. Guccifer 2.0, that account returned this week after going silent ever since the presidential election. And this time, it wrote in much better English than last year. In an online chat with me, it declined to repeat its claim that it was a Romanian guy when the BBC asked the account why it seems to care so much about U.S. politics and claims to have no opinions on Russia, it uh, declined to answer any further. And then also this week, just in time for Trump's inauguration, the shadow brokers return to say they're going out of business, having a going out of business sale. They are a hacking group named after a character from the Mass Effect series of video games that last year claimed to have acquired hundreds of tools from the Equation Group. That's the name Kaspersky Antivirus have given uh, to what most analysts believe is another name for the National Security Agency's Tailored Access Operations. So NSA, TAO, right? And they've got uh, some serious resources and very, very broad capabilities. Um, maybe the most powerful tools in the world. And then when the shadow brokers showed up last fall, they claim they're trying to sell these NSA tools for Bitcoin. Here's one of their early posts, read by Robot. We follow Equation Group traffic. We find Equation Group source range. We hack Equation Group. 
We find many many equation group cyber weapons. You break many things. You find many intrusions. You write many words. But not all, we auction the best files. And Ben Buchanan of Harvard says there's been vigorous speculation in public about the source of these files. And there's a lot of debate, I'm sure, within the NSA. Did they come from a staging server somewhere outside the perimeter of the NSA, where an NSA operator mistakenly uploaded some of the tools for use as an operation, and the Russians happened to be on that same server and grab a copy? Or did the Russians manage to actually intrude into the core networks of the NSA and pull out copies of these tools? And that poses a very worrying proposition. Um, that might be something akin to the security dilemma, the cybersecurity dilemma. The Russians break in for defensive reasons to understand how the NSA's toolkits work. But the NSA is looking around and saying, if it's true the Russians are in our core networks, they could have the capacity to do damage at a, a key moment. And it's a pretty big deal for the, the computer security research community to have these online for the first time. It's not unusual for private companies like Celebrite or the hacking team to get hacked, but for one of these leading state actors to get exposed, hung out like this, pretty unprecedented. And by dumping this information online, um, it's definitely fair to say the shadow brokers were burning those capabilities, meaning the NSA couldn't use them going forward. And depending on the NSA's targets and how sophisticated they were in their cybersecurity, the shadow brokers may have been burning the NSA's previous operations. So the shadow brokers have returned to say they were upset with not enough people buying their wares for Bitcoin. And uh, just like Guccifer 2.0, coincidentally, they wanted to emphasize they were not Russian. Here is one of their most recent claims. Despite theories, it always being about Bitcoin's fourth shadow brokers. Free dumps and bullshit political talk was being for marketing attention. So this is a pretty significant move in the international intelligence chess match. Unlike Guccifer 2.0, which I would describe as targeted towards the media, targeted towards the public, this one, I think, probably is an intelligence agency saying to another intelligence agency, look, we have this capability. We've discovered some of your secrets. Obviously, we haven't burned all of them here. Just be careful about what it is you do to us because we can retaliate. Ben Buchanan, author of The Cybersecurity Dilemma. The more uncomfortable question that eventually has to get asked in these conversations is to what degree is the U.S. willing or any nation willing to restrain its intelligence collection activities in order to foster a relationship of trust? He says all major powers, the U.S., Russia, China, uh, probably others, gather information in cyberspace and sometimes use it to attack a form of espionage. But what makes cyber operations different is there's a much tighter linkage between espionage and attack. Oftentimes you can switch from a collection mission, gathering information, often defensive information, to an attack mission reasonably quickly. Certainly if you've been doing some preparation and certainly with the access you've gained from the defensive intrusion. Okay, so we are out of time for this week, but before we go, a few quick things. A ton of stuff did not have time to get into very much, worth checking out. President Obama signed new rules letting the NSA share raw surveillance from the famous Executive Order 12333, and that authorizes most of NSA surveillance. These changes, been in the works for a while, may not expand as much as formalize the way NSA shares its data, which is pretty much 
any data with other government agencies, um, other federal agencies. This could end up restricting, slowing down the ability for the incoming president to further increase dragnet surveillance if you want to be charitable to Obama. But um, most opponents of increased electronic surveillance were not happy with this one. And uh, nor this one, Rudy Giuliani, named cybersecurity czar. Here he is uh, on Fox News, Fox News, Fox and Friends in the Fox Morning, explaining what a magical go-between he's going to be between the private sector and the public sector. A lot of the solutions are out there. We're just not sharing them. It's like cancer. You know, there's cancer research going on all over the place. You'd almost wish they'd all get together in one room and maybe we'd find a cure. Right after this news broke, people started looking at Giuliani's website, had a laugh at that. Cybersecurity is not not really part of his consulting firm's specialty to the extent it has a specialty other than contract acquisition. Rudy would be well advised, I think, to be careful with his email. Uh, Careful with that email, Rudy. And also there's been new lawsuits filed over Stingray cell phone surveillance in Tacoma, Washington and Chicago. We'll hear more about that in the future. But you are fake news. Oh, okay. That'll do it for this week's Snow Crash Radio. Thanks to Ben Buchanan. Check out his book, The Cybersecurity Dilemma. Thanks to Dave Townsend for his help this week. We'll see where this goes this week, Inauguration Week. We're going to have a very, very elegant day. Snow Crash Radio is produced by me, Jonah Meadows, in Chicago. Find more information about guests or music on the show. Get in touch at scradio.org.